Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch Varel, this is Zach Larson doing the dirty work for Steve Zinsmeister, stepping in today on a Saturday. Trevor Henry behind the glass. Halftime at the shoe. Uh, Trev, it's what, 20 to 17 in favor of uh, Ohio State, correct? That is, that is correct. Okay, thank you, sir. I, w- I saw it going in the break and I wasn't sure. But we're going to talk some Cardinals here. We're being on our Arizona Cardinals insider here for at ArizonaSports.com. He is Tyler Drake, and he's joining us uh, from the Lynx today. How are you shooting today, Ty? Hey, it must have, uh, you know, the the golf uh, gods must have known I was jumping on because it just made a birdie right before you guys called. <laughs> no so kidding! We are... We are uh, we're sitting at even par going into number eight. So here we go. That let's go. Good job, Ty. I I knew that Thank was you. a good luck charm in some sort of sense. Hey, I also oh, yeah. I also want to throw this out there. We just got some Cardinals related news. It's not breaking or anything, but State Farm Stadium's roof is expected to be open tomorrow. And I got it right this time. Awesome. It says expected, and I said expected. So look at me go. Yeah, yeah. You got to say expected. Dress accordingly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, should be a should be a nice uh, nice setting. All right, Tyler, let's just jump right into it here. Kyler Murray expected to play on Sunday. Obviously, when Colt McCoy kind of got the nod back on episode two of Hard Knocks, we saw the uh, the entire team pretty much just get that boost of confidence, and they went into L.A. and just took care of business. Do you think the team kind of got that same boost once they heard that Kyler is going to be active and probably ready to play on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the biggest uh, the biggest takeaway this week was just talking with DeAndre Hopkins, and, and you know, he could you could tell that he was really amped not only to have Kyler back to have Hollywood back. So, uh, any of those questions or doubts are possible? Could they possibly sit another week? I think those are those aren't happening. I think those guys are good to go. Cliff seemed really optimistic talking about him, and and I think yeah, you know, obviously it's going to be a, a big boost when you get your number one guy in there. You just uh, got to see if they can. Uh, what's the word? Execute. <laughs> Execute has been said a lot this season, has it not? Um, I'm also very intrigued by the fact that I think back to the Hollywood Brown trade and my immediate reaction, and I'm sure yours was similar, was, oh, cool. Now they have D-Hop and Hollywood Brown. Of course, that led to Hop's suspension, and then Hop's ending of suspension led to Brown's injury. So now we get both of them on the field at the same time. And I asked Zach this question earlier, but who do you think gets more targets in tomorrow's game between those two? Oh, that's a good one. I think it's going to be D-Hop getting more of the targets. I think uh, they're really going to stretch the field with Marquise, really get that extra down the field, get those chunk plays going with him. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Hop. I think Hop is the safety valve right now, right now especially with Zach Ertz, uh done for the season. So I would, definitely, uh, I would definitely say Hopkins still gets the targets. I don't know how – it might not. It might be a couple more than Hollywood, but I still think at the end of the day you need to get the best player on that team the, uh, the targets, and that would be Hopkins. And, you know, it's yeah, it's a great, great thing that both of you guys can, can play this week, but at the same time, still no Rondell Moore with that, uh, with that group. So yeah. there's still something missing there. And obviously no Rondell Moore, but you still have guys like Trey McBride and A.J. Green who, with Hollywood, Brown, and Hopkins, they're going to be able to open up this offense. Do you expect to see the same kind of style of maybe more screen passes to maybe Hollywood since he's one of the quicker receivers? Or do you think this offense really will open up down the field and try to have a true air attack against the Chargers? Yeah, you know, I think for me, I think it's going to be more of a, you know, they, the Chargers have a decent front, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be more about getting that ball out and, and stretching the field. And I think it's really going to come down to getting more than just those two guys involved. I think we saw last year, you know, they were at their best when they were getting six, seven, eight guys involved. So, you know, Trey McBride needs to take a step. Uh, you know, they might have to bring up a guy, uh, uh, 
Farrow uh, Cooper, uh, Andre Vicelli. So it's with Greg Dortch having the uh, MRI on the thumb. And, and, you know, that's really a pain tolerance thing right now. But, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this team is at its best when they can space the ball out. I mean, get your guys – let you guys eat, obviously, with D-Hop and Hollywood. But you've got to get other guys involved for sure. Tyler Drake, our Arizona Sports, Arizona Cardinals insider, joining us here on Arizona Sports Saturday on the Arizona Sports Line. Ty, I'm just curious because this was a weird week uh, for me, I'm sure for everybody personally, with it being Thanksgiving week. So our last you know, full reaction day for the Cardinals was on Wednesday. And now here we are two days later. Of course, they practice Thursday. They practice Friday. What did you notice while you were at practice the other two days of the week? Well, you know, we only we only got one day out there on Friday. We only got the uh, open portion of Friday. They had closed walkthroughs Wednesday and Thursday. So, you know, at this point, I think it's more about getting the mental reps in, uh, keeping people fresh, keeping guys that are battling injury off, uh, you know, off the field as much as possible. So a lot of mental work. And, you know, you know that's, uh, again, what DeAndre Hopkins was telling us. You know, you just really got to gotta really focus in on the mental aspect of everything. Uh, so it, it's I, I couldn't tell you a ton that I saw out there. You know, obviously guys are, are it seems like they're locked in seems like they're still still ready to go and play but mm-hmm. uh yeah we got a very very uh slim look at the team i should say this week and tyler obviously they have a big challenge with the, the at least for the defense they have a big challenge with a chargers offense going up against justin herber as well as austin eckler and keenan allen potentially i mean how do you think vance joseph and this defense have prepared for this game and do you think they have a bunch of confidence going into this week to play against one of the top five quarterbacks in the nfl yeah, you know, I think that I think the confidence has obviously waned from that Monday night performance, but I think a lot of guys have kind of looked at that and said, "Hey, a lot of guys have looked in the mirror." I think uh, Antonio Hamilton's example on Hard Knocks was a, was a good uh, example of that, and then Vance Joseph kind of uh, added to that this week, saying, "You know, hey, guys have to finish. Guys know that they need to finish. It's, it's something we address. We don't need to address it anymore." And I think it's really just about playing. Uh, you know, Byron being out again is. is that's really, really, really tough. So we could be looking at a lot of Jalen Buddha and even Chris Banjo out there at the same time and and not no knocks on those guys, but obviously I mean that that cornerback room is, is just taking hits all the time, it seems like now. Uh but yeah, I mean the, the name of the game is stopping Austin Eckler. That guy is everywhere. He's a do it all guy. He's he's seen more targets, more more receptions this year with those injuries to the wide receivers. So it's really gonna come down to if these linebackers can really play up to guarding Eckler and, and, and taking him out of the equation because I think if they take him out with Mike Williams being out too, they have a good shot at, at really getting to Herbert, but it's really going to come down to the pass rush and really just making sure Eckler is a non-factor, which is it's so much easier said than done. I mean, you think about this team's pass rush. There really hasn't been much of it this season. I mean, their leading sacker, if I'm not mistaken, is J.J. Watt. And you would expect that because of the pedigree that he brings, but it doesn't shine well on guys like Marcus Golden or anybody else that they've stuck opposite him. But I have seen a lot of great progress from both Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Would you agree? Yeah, I think uh, out of the two, I think Zavin has really taken the biggest step. I think he's he's now become that everyday uh, Mike linebacker that I think Steve Kime and the rest of the organization have envisioned. There's obviously still things they need to improve on, but or he needs to improve on. But at the end of the day, I think uh, the Jordan Hicks uh, tenure is now being forgotten because of you know the steps that he has taken. I guess not forgotten, forgotten, but not as like oh man, they we should have moved kept on him. from I think, it. I guess. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Perfect okay. words. It's just more so about, you know, it's it's finally his time to take over. He's taking over. And not only that, I mean, in the locker room, he's so much more 
articulate. He wants to talk to us. He wants to be that leader. So, and I've said it before. I think he's going to be a captain next year. I, th- I I would be very confident in saying he will be oh. a captain next year. Okay, I like that bold prediction from Ty Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals insider for Arizona Sports, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, last one before we let you get out back on the tee. Um, Hard knocks came out this week, the third episode, and I think a lot of us were. Waiting for that anticip- that moment where they would touch on Eno Benjamin. Obviously, there was nothing, but they were able to squeeze in a little bit about Sean Kugler's dismissal at the end. I don't know how you feel, but I personally am just kind of very confused about the direction that this is heading. And at the same time, I'm frustrated that they're not giving fans a truly inside, in-depth, hard knock access. I don't know if you agree or not. No, no, I agree. I mean, that's the thing is, is let's... Hard knocks is supposed to be that inside look to give you those, you know, those hard, those hard times on top of the good times. I think, you know, for me, it's the Miami Dolphins uh, way back with Tannehill and those guys. Like that was that. I felt like that was such a good inside look of really what goes on, and it's just not the same. I'm sorry. Like plain and simple. Like there's things that have been left out that need to be touched on. I'm sorry. Eno Benjamin was the number two running back and started three games. There's no reason why that shouldn't have been brought up at least. Like he just mentioned at least. So. That part right there, and then, and obviously, you know, they have the Sean Kugler mentions, and, and you, right there, you can see how fast they can turn things. Yeah. So, I mean, that was from Wednesday. I don't know. So, I would say, uh, I would say, yeah, it's, 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 it, obviously, there's some really good stuff. Don't get me wrong, really good stuff. Love the Sean Jefferson stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're supposed to get inside looks of the team, all of the team, all of the bad, all of the good, all of the in between. So, that, I mean, that's what I was, when I heard Hard Knocks, that's what I think of, and, and right now, it's, it's falling short of it. Hey, Ty, thanks so much as always. Good luck the rest of the back nine, okay? Thanks, buddy. See you guys later. Talk to you later. That's Tyler Drake, our Arizona Cardinals uh, insider for ArizonaSports.com. You can find his work there. You can find his work on the Arizona Sports app. He does a great job covering the team. If you want the best access, Tyler's got it for you. When we come back, Suns win. But they did it again without a key contributor. How close is he to returning? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, I mean, they were at practice. They haven't practiced. You know, I think just we play every other day. Um, but it's 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 trending in the right direction. Um, I don't know when they'll be back. I still don't expect those guys uh, to know um, in the coming days. Um, but but they're progressing in the right direction. Hopefully, if we can get them back this weekend, that'd be great. Um, if not, uh, just for, for the sake of certainty, we're going to keep those guys out and let the guys know that are in the rotation um, that they just have to hold it down a little bit longer. That was Suns General Manager James Jones joining Burns and Gambo on Wednesday of this week as we welcome you back into Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Feraldis, Zach Larson filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today. And if you want an immediate update now, I'm seeing it right now on my uh, son's feed on Twitter from Gerald Bourget of PHNX. Chris Paul, right heel soreness remains out. But Landry Shamit, concussion protocol, has been upgraded to probable. Of course, those were the two subjects of the soundbite that I had played going into the segment from James Jones. Chris Paul... Um, look, do I want him back? Of course I want him back. Do I want him back right now? Eh? Not with the way how Cameron Payne's been playing. Yeah, and not just Cam. Dwayne Washington Jr.? Yep. Hello, welcome to the Suns. Um, and this obviously would have been a better opportunity for Landry Shamit as well, but of course being injured at the same time kind of uh, hurts that opportunity. But 
I got to be honest. And look, I didn't want to admit it at first because if it's me, I just want my basketball team fully healthy at all times. But if Chris Paul is not ready to play and you're investing in a long playoff run, okay, fine. Sit him. Because it's been very evident these last few weeks without him that this team can play without him for an a extended or even short period of time. Yeah, again, they have the depth to make a run and they can play well without Chris Paul. Obviously, you have four bench players in Damian Lee, Torrey Craig, Jock Landell, and even Landry Shamit when he's been on the floor. They're averaging seven points off the bench. I mean, I, I don't think you could ask for anything better coming off your second unit. And we've mentioned Cameron Payne. Obviously, he's not going to be the full-time starter once Chris Ball comes back. But if he can continue some of the offensive production that he's had and get on the floor and give Chris Paul some minutes, extra minutes to get off the floor and rest in games that he's supposed to play in, I think it's only going to help the Suns later on down the line and make them prepared for a deep postseason run, which they just haven't been able to do or they weren't able to do last season in 2021. So campaign overall this season in 16 games, he started in half of them. But in overall games, he's 14, averaging 14 points, averaging five assists, and averaging 2.6 rebounds. Rebounds doesn't necessarily matter as much. But you brought it up earlier. As a starter in the games this season, 18 and a half, 6.9, and 3.3 in yeah. eight games. That's almost exactly what you need when you don't have Cameron or excuse me, not Cameron Johnson. Well, also Cameron Johnson, but also Chris Paul. This is the kind of role that you needed campaign to fill. And he filled it to perfection last night. He had 16 and 10 line last night. Can we get this campaign to your point off of the bench as well? When camp, when Chris Paul comes back, I think so. And I think the biggest jump though, is his three point percentage because last season, every time he chucked up a three, I I just knew it wasn't going in. Yeah. This year, as a starter, he's been hitting 43% of his threes, which is great for Cameron Payne. I, I think if he can continue, obviously, I don't want him to be the scorer off the bench. I think you have Damian Lee there. I think he's a very accurate shooter, about 50% on the season. I think you can trust campaign to just be that floor general to operate the offense and just get open shots for this team off the bench. So you're not getting into a bigger hole or losing a potential lead like they kind of did last night. Well, I do like campaign scoring ability. But I'm in agreement with you there that, and I'm not going to solely focus it on, oh, Damian Lee's the guy off the bench, right? Right. Because that used to be Cam Johnson, and Cam Johnson's clear role was to be a scorer. But now Cam Johnson is a starter when he comes back from injury, and he provides a scoring option for that starting lineup. But the way that this team is now constructed with Jay Crowder not wanting to be a part of it, they don't have to just rely on one guy off the bench to be the scorer. You mentioned Damian Lee campaign. You could even throw it out to Dwayne Washington Jr. if he sees more rotational minutes. Landry Shamet has shown the ability to be a lethal three-point shooter. They've got variety this time around as opposed to oh, this is very clearly one guy's role coming from one position at one point in time during a 48-minute contest. I like that about the Suns this year. I like that they don't have to just heavily rely on one person to do all of the heavy lifting for them when they bring the starting five to the bench. Exactly. It's just a bunch of the players last season that we were expecting 
to really step up after the finals run. They just didn't do it. Torrey Craig, after he got traded back to the Suns last season, he was just non-existent. Now he's averaging seven points. He's a big help on the defensive end. He's had a couple starts in for Cameron or Cameron Johnson at that four spot. So yeah, Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig, Landry Shamit, even in the games he's played. Obviously, Dario Saric, he hasn't gotten back onto the floor as often, but he also clearly is just a big moment or helpful boost off the bench in those deep minutes. I, I just think a lot of the players that we saw last season that just struggled, they have finally figured it out. They got that one-year hangover off, and they've really stepped up and played well off the bench or in a starting position if they've needed to. And look, like they're first in the West right now. That's not saying much. Only, what are we, 16 games into the season right. for the Suns. It's not saying much, but it certainly reminds like national level people that, hey, the Suns are still a good team in the West, right? Granted, they're getting buried by the Bucks and the Celtics of the East, who have lost a combined like 10 games, I believe. They haven't lost a ton. But the Suns are still that team. The Suns are still built around that same core of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton. And then they're getting massive help from Mikael Bridges in multiple different ways. Cam Johnson is a lethal shooting, scoring option now in the starting lineup. And then you've got a ragtag team of guys coming off of this bench that completely hold up to the model that Monty Williams is building here in Phoenix and has built here in Phoenix. And I think then a lot of credit has to go to James Jones as well. Because he, we mentioned this about an hour ago. He could have done the aggressive move. He could have done the more expensive move. He didn't. He found guys that absolutely fit the mold of what this team's trying to accomplish. And James Jones, once again, deserves his flowers for that. Yeah, he has built... Again, this team three, four years ago was at the basement of the NBA. The basement of the basement. Yeah. They were... <laughs> I mean, everybody knows the decade long of struggles and just pain and misery. But James Jones has compiled a terrific roster. I mean... Again, last season, there was problems with depth. We saw it in the playoffs. This season, you can look down the entire roster and you can say, if you plug that guy in and get him some minutes, he's going to step up and he's going to play well. And again, it's just the culture that, that Monty Williams also brings. They are a winning basketball franchise now, once again. And it's just, it, it it's contagious. Everybody wants to play well. Everybody still wants to compete for a championship. Yes. And they're still bitter after that Game 7 loss to the Dallas Mavericks. So I, I just think it's such a positive look for this team, for this organization. Just, again, after all the offseason drama with DeAndre Ayton and potentially not re-signing him, the Robert Sarver situation, the Kevin Durant trade rumors, all that stuff. I think we're finally... About a quarter into the season, getting close to a quarter into the season, and the team just looks good. They're playing well. They're competing. And again, they're atop the the West, which is no easy feat, even just 18 games into the it's season. It's like, oh my gosh, the vibes, they're so terrible. And then here we are, 16 games, and they're 12 and 6. Yeah. Like, can we can we shut up about this now? We've clearly wasted an entire offseason trying to hype up this team, and instead we got upset about it from the get-go. But understandably so, but... Uh, now it just looks stupid. Coming up next, does an Arizona Cardinals win keep them in the playoff hunt? We'll answer that next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Mitch Vareldis and Zach Larson filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today. Trevor Henry behind the glass, who's in a much better mood as it is right now. Michigan now up 24-20 over Ohio State at the shoe. There's 11 minutes to play in the third quarter. So, of course, anything can happen. And this one already at 48 com- or 44 excuse me, combined points. So I know a lot of people are watching that in particular very closely. But um, Michigan looks a lot better since that first quarter. So I know Trev's in good spirits. And that's why the show sounds as good as it does right now. So credits to you, Trev. All right. Focusing on this Sunday, Cardinals. They're four and six. On the four season. and seven. Four and seven. Right. They haven't had the buy yet. They're four and seven now on the season. I guess it's easy to get distracted from the Cardinals. Yeah, a lot of pains. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. All that stuff. So they're four and seven right now. A win would put them at five and seven. But they're behind quite a pack of teams, including an entire division in the NFC for a playoff spot. But does a win on Sunday put them back in the hunt? I don't know how it doesn't put them back in the hunt, but at the same time, I mean, like you mentioned, like the entire NFC East is over 500 right now. Yep. So you would need the commanders to lose to the Falcons and then you would need them to lose to whoever next week. Like that's the thing. We're getting to a lot of teams where they're going to be playing against each other in playoff contention and the records are going to drastically change so just because a team right now like washington six and five doesn't mean in a couple weeks they're not gonna be nine and five or eight and six so i i i I think a win turns around the culture of this team for the cardinals i think i would hope so they they will get out of that dump that they were in last week when they just i mean when troy aikman calls your team of just an embarrassment yeah. your entire organization yeah. straight because up because the effort you need to wipe that away you need to play hard and really show up against the chargers if they do win i think it gets that off their back does it change their season completely where they're super bowl contenders or contenders in the nfc i don't know but they need a win to turn around the culture and just look better on the national scale so here's how it stands right now. Philadelphia's got the top seed. They're the leader in the NFC East. Minnesota has the two. They're the leaders in the NFC North. Niners have the three seed as the leaders in the West. And then the Bucks have the four seed as the leaders in the South. After that, you've got the Cowboys at eight and three, the Giants at seven and four, and the Seahawks at six and four. Seahawks play the Saints, which both helps and hurts the Cardinals. Or no, correction, sorry. The Seahawks play the Raiders, yep. which... Does not help the Cardinals nope. if the Seahawks win. The Niners play the Saints, which technically helps the Cardinals if the Niners win, because that clears out another team that's right there bunched up with the Cardinals at four and seven. So the Niners winning, the Seahawks losing, and the Cardinals winning then puts the Cardinals at five and seven. And then you have this really interesting game between the Commanders and the Falcons tomorrow. Commanders at six and five, Falcons at five and six, and I don't know. You kind of want the Falcons to lose because then they're tied with the Cardinals. But then if the Commanders win, that's another game they're ahead of the Cardinals. So maybe you want the Falcons to win. Put both of them at six and six. this yeah. feels like a so, lot of work, right? So, yeah. Let me just sum it down to you. The Cardinals have to win out the rest of the season Ugh. to win the division. That is their oh, only gosh. way. That is their only way they will make the playoffs. There's no way they're going to compete for a wild card team. I'm sorry. That's that's just the fact. So 
you need to hope that the Seahawks and 49ers start beating each other up in their own games, lose seven or eight games, potentially. I mean, they're, they're both at four losses. So you're only three games behind. And if the Cardinal, the Cardinals will play the 49ers head-to-head to end the season. But for the final time. Final of all time. their divisional games. Exactly. They so, have one divisional win. Well, yeah. and That's that, a massive detriment to them right exactly. now. Exactly. That's why we just need to accept the fact that this team is just not going to make the playoffs. Unless, again, they, they go 6-0. That, that, that's, that's how this team is going to make the playoffs if they make the playoffs, which they won't. And a win against the Chargers would be a step in the right direction. So then bunches them up. It'll put them ahead of Detroit. Green Bay has their Sunday night game against the Eagles, so you don't want the Eagles to win that so then the Cardinals can jump the Packers. And then, as we mentioned, the Niners beating the Saints allows the Cardinals to jump the Saints. So they could jump three teams, potentially meet up with a fourth team if they win and a bunch of other stuff happens. Yeah, you know what? The more I talk about it, it feels like we're getting to that point where it becomes a lot harder to convince yourself that this is a playoff team. Well, and it's just not just based off their performance. Yeah, they they can compete with the teams below them. But when it comes to any competition above them, they just do not have the firepower. And whether that's injuries or just bad coaching or just bad quarterback play, whatever it is, it's just not good enough to beat the 49ers. It's not good enough to beat the Eagles and all these other teams. So I don't think I would want to see them in the playoffs because they would just flare out unless, of course, this is the reverse Cliff Kingsbury, where they're going I, to have their. Then, and I mean, I'm hard streak. pressed to believe that. I it could happen. His streaks happen at the beginning of the year, and they're already four and seven. Yeah. Like I'm hard pressed to believe that he's going to be able to turn this around. To your point about the victories that they've had, the Rams who are three and seven, the Panthers who are three and eight, the Saints who are also four and seven, and then the Raiders who are three and seven. Yep. And that one was miraculous in itself. Yeah, because they were down by two, three scores going into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Does that speak more about the Raiders? I don't know. But oh, I, I think the Raiders all season have talked or they've shown why they are so dysfunctional. No, but they beat the Broncos twice, so clearly there's nothing wrong with them. Oh, that, that just tells you how dysfunctional uh, the Broncos are right now. Sorry, Mitch. I don't like this at all. All right. So let's take a look then at what they're going to be going up against now that we've gotten the uh, playoff talk out of the way. The Chargers, a very, in my opinion, interesting season that the Chargers are having. And right now they're on the outside looking in just like the Cardinals sitting at five and five. They have split their four divisional games so far, and they're currently on a two game losing streak. Uh, One most recently to the Chiefs. That was last Sunday night. I don't understand this Chargers team. And granted, you could point a lot at injuries like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen being out for a good chunk of the year. They've lost Rashawn Slater, their top left tackle for the season. Corey Lindsley has been in and out this year, their center. This is a weird Chargers team. Really weird. Yeah, and I I mean, I just go back to that Sunday night game against the Chiefs. In a situation where Herbert... I mean, some of the throws he makes, you, you just ooh and awe ah at because he is just such a dynamic thrower. But then also, the, where are those throws? Right? Exactly. Yeah. And on the other hand, well, you also have Austin Eckler in the backfield, who is just also a dynamic running back 
out of the backfield that also is a great receiving back. But all the problems that I've seen from the Chargers are coming on the defensive side. And they added Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. Uh, this was oh, supposed Jackson's to- been a huge bust so far this exactly. season. Exactly. It just it hasn't lived up to the hype that we were expecting. The NFL was expecting entering the season. Joey Bosa got hurt again to right. like just add that to the pile. So I, I just. I think defense is where this team, and also it's just the Chargers organization, the franchise, has always just been known for underperforming, and especially in all these close games, you have such talented quarterbacks in Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, and Justin Herbert, and they just are never able to get over that hump. I think Herbert is going to continue to evolve. He will become one of the top five, top three quarterbacks in this league, but He just needs, I don't know if necessarily it is Brandon Staley's coaching that's holding them back, but something's got to change for the Chargers if they want to continue to get to the level of the Kansas City Chiefs and be contenders every year. So it's funny, I have a friend that is a big Chargers fan and of course lamented the move to LA from San Diego. But every year it feels like, oh, this guy got injured, oh, we, we stink again, that's the conversation I get. But I really wanted to push the conversation about Herbert because to your point, he's an incredible talent, but he's not throwing the ball downfield like he used to. Not as much. Maybe part of it is the two high safeties that defenses are employing a lot this year across the NFL. That's why scoring is down this year across the NFL. But then also I wonder, is he still hurt from that rib injury in week two? I think that has a big part of it and I I don't think again he's so talented that in that game when he got his rib injury got hit in the ribs twice actually yeah he was still able to complete some insane passes and almost bring the Chargers back in that game almost so I think I do think him being hurt is a big part of why he's just not playing as well but I also think Brandon Staley's coaching has shifted a lot from last season when he was so aggressive on fourth and one from his own 23-yard line. Mm -hmm. Against the Chiefs, there were plenty of opportunities to go for on fourth down, and I was sitting there with my family. I'm thinking, he's got to be going for it here, right? And he punts it away. So I don't know if maybe it is a combination of the two. I definitely think, and I agree, that Herbert's hip or ribs, it's got to be a Part of it. I mean, it has to be lingering, right? Exactly. It It has to be. I get it. So you need time to heal, but he didn't really miss a beat. No. You know, he played every single week, to my knowledge, up to that point, if not for one absent right after week two. But, you know, also from like a fantasy perspective, because I know a lot of people were high on Justin Herbert as a fantasy QB, like he was a top five QB taken. He's not lived up to the fantasy numbers either. Nope. He had he had great numbers last season, and I I think I, again outside of the fantasy aspect, he proved last year how clutch how well he can perform as the Chargers quarterback. I just think again injury like every year there's an injury, there's something that holds them back, and. I, I we talked to uh, Eric Smith, the senior writer for the Los Angeles Chargers, yesterday on the Black Friday show with Tim Ring and Howard Balzer. And Eric Smith was asked if he thinks that Brandon Staley's anywhere near the hot seat, and he said, "Absolutely not. They're perfectly fine without." And I just can't see how that is with so much expectations being set for this team. 
and they just haven't lived up to it. I mean, you can say that about every team in the AFC West, right? Exactly. Everybody's trying to chase the Chiefs now from that division, and clearly, the money that has been spent for those other AFC West teams, you've got a 5-5 five and five and two 3-7s. and sevens. And the Broncos haven't played the Chiefs once this year. The Chargers are done with the Chiefs. They lost twice. And the Raiders have played the Chiefs once, which they lost. Clearly, it's... It's it's the same old, same old yeah. for, for the AFC West. And it probably will continue for years to come. A fight broke out down in Tucson. No, no, no. Not on the field. We'll tell you what fight next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve present Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we had a show. Been a few more weeks beyond that since we've been able to do a Footnotes. But for those of you first-time listeners or those that need a refresher, Footnotes, it's just a portion of the show where we catch you up on some stories that we weren't going to turn into a full segment or anything, but... We thought we had to pass along nonetheless. Zach Larson filling in for Steve Zinsmeister today. Who's done a fantastic job, by the way. Thank you. Thank can, we get a, can we get a round of applause for Zach? I'll give myself a round of applause. So like uh, yeah, we got it from Trap. There we go. That's what we need is we need our producer to give you the round of applause. <laughs> That's how you know you did a good job is when the producer is applauding. All right. So let's start with the local one. There's yes. a couple of local ones that have to do with ASU. On a more serious note, it sounds like we know who the new head coach of the program is going to be. Um, there was a tweet earlier in the day from Jalen Strong who said that they have their new head coach only up from here. And then our own John Gambadoro is putting it out there. I would expect ASU to have their next head coach hired this coming week. New world in college football now with transfer portal. So really can't drag out. I believe Oregon OC Kenny Dillingham is the front runner for the job. Well, if Gambo said it, then I believe it. And do you like it? Um, yeah, again, I, I think we mentioned it earlier. A local kid who has been around, he had an assistant position with ASU. He's had the experience at the collegiate level as an OC, and I think he can definitely help out this offense. That was really the, the main problem this season. Now, there was not all positive news surrounding Arizona State. And I mean, we don't know if this Dillingham news is for certain, but it sounds like it is. So that would be awesome if that comes to fruition. But yesterday, of course, was the Territorial Cup. Yep. First one at Tucson in front of fans for uh, several years now, right? Since the pandemic wiped out the last one. So, yeah, several years since the last one in front of fans in Tucson. And it ended 38-35 in favor of the Wildcats. And there was some scrapping and jawing. And All game, there's some There chippiness. were several ejections towards the end of the yep. game. But that was not the most interesting fight from yesterday. If you were able to catch it circulating on social media, I believe it was in the second quarter or third quarter. Third quarter, I think. Because it, it was right before Geo Sanders caught yes. his first collegiate touchdown. So I think that was actually third quarter. Thank you. Apparently, Sparky and Wilbur, the two mascots of the respective teams, were getting into it on the sideline, like with haymakers, oh, too. Yeah. It was very aggressive. And Sparky definitely landed a couple more shots than Wilbur did. So that, oh, was, yeah. the, that was the only win for ASU on the day was Sparky getting some clean shots on Wilbur. The running gag was like Sparky 10-6 or Sparky 10-8. I don't understand most yeah. boxing or um, wrestling scoring. It wasn't wrestling, but I don't understand most boxing scoring. But 
It was very entertaining, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, it was, again, it was something nice. It was such a competitive game, so you just weren't trying to take your eyes off anything, but it, it definitely was entertaining to watch afterwards, even. It's also funny because Wilbur and Sparky have straight faces the whole time. Oh, yeah. So you're just, yeah, yeah there's St- stupid joke, I know. I, I was <laughs> trying. It was a good time. Other college football-related news. So ASU supposedly about to get their head coach. There's two other coaching bits of news. Well, three. But we'll start with the one that is actually confirmed. Matt Rule. Not long for retirement or after getting fired from the Panthers. Not long for being out of a job. Nebraska. The University of Nebraska has made him their new head coach. Eight-year deal for Matt Rule at Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, it's better than Scott Frost, that's for sure. But <laughs> A lot of things are better than Scott Frost. <laughs> Matt Rule, he was 47-43 and 43 as the Baylor head coach. Did a great job of building that program up. Also built up Temple. So I, th- I think he'll be a good fit for Nebraska. How well will he be? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. But Is he going to make it all eight years? Maybe not all I eight wonder. years. I think he'll have a solid, solid five-year tenure. I'll go for that for my prediction. Okay, that's fair. Well, what about the tenure of Lane Kiffin? So this was interesting. This was a report from a local... Local uh, Mississippi broadcaster at a local TV station. He put it out there that Lane Kiffin was going to take the Auburn job, which surprised Lane Kiffin, who then clapped back on Twitter with his own little breaking news that said said television anchor had been hired at a different station. More to come. So there was that whole mess if you weren't paying attention to it. But then just to make sure that Lane Kiffin really wasn't going anywhere, Ole Miss extended him today as their head coach um, after their loss at the Egg Bowl. But he's now going to be there for the next couple of years. I was trying to find the years of the extension. Uh, There's no official announcement yet, but... He ain't going to Auburn. It sounds well, like. maybe not right now, but maybe eventually he'll he'll make his way. He, I, he's been everywhere you can think of, so I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps shit yeah. a little earlier than than expected. Seems to be the uh, the Kiffin model, right? Yeah. After he got left on the tarmac in uh, where was it, L.A. It's very hard to come back for that. Although I mention Auburn, and then I see this as a headline: uh, sources that uh, Auburn is in talks with Hugh Freeze. For the head coaching job of the Tigers. Yeah. Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze. Just don't Probably not better than Nick Saban, no, but I'm sure we'll get a couple wins <laughs> in an Iron Bowl matchup. I'm sure there will be some sort of, you know, exciting Iron Bowl action yes. lead up to it. I don't know. It's a very interesting hire going after the Liberty guy. All right. Enough of college football. How about a hockey story? I don't know if you saw this one, but yesterday the Colorado Avalanche is the team that I personally root for. And the Nashville Predators were supposed to have a game in Nashville. And then a water main break occurred in their arena. And they had to cancel yesterday's and now their next Nashville game due to a water main break in the arena. Yeah, now, now no longer is COVID canceling games. No. We got water breaks happening. Because it was so funny. I was casually looking at the scoreboard and it said postponed. And I'm like, wait, what? Who, how, like, how wait, did that happen? Uh, does this happen still? And then, lo and behold, no, we had a water main break in the arena. <laughs> just hockey things. Just freeze it over and then you can just play on it. I'm sure that'll work just fine. I uh, also wanted to pass this along. Because I believe it happened while a lot of us were off air. Patrick Beverly for that shove of DeAndre Ayton suspended three games by the NBA. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> I, uh, I 
He he is definitely become, I think, the villain of the Phoenix Suns. You think he's become the villain? I I mean, I just can't see anybody else. Like, obviously, Luka has been dominant when he plays against the Suns, but he's just good. He's just good at the game. Like, I I can't really necessarily... Patrick Beverly sucks when he plays the Suns, (laughs) and and he's just a pest. Like, he just, he causes problems. So, I would say he's the villain. I mean, I'm sure a lot of Suns fans would lean Robert Ori. Or, I, mean, I mean, you could if, if we're going like back in history, this sure. Plenty. But so like, you're saying right now, current day? Oh. Yes. Oh, then yes, I agree with you because you know Robert Ori's not playing. But yeah, I, I find it hard to find a Suns fan who has any positive things to say about Robert Ori. No, I I totally agree on that. Uh, Robert Ori, Bruce Bowen, basically the entire 05 era Spurs yeah. teams. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of good taste for them. Also wanted to throw this in there because uh, baseball stuff is happening. The Hot Stove League, of course, the big story has probably been Aaron Judge reportedly meeting with the Giants and the Yankees trying to hold court as well. Um, a small move. Uh, curious what your thoughts would be if he'd have tried to be signed by here, here in Arizona. Carlos Santana, the switch hitting designated hitter, picked up by the Pirates on a one-year deal. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Arizona would be a great fit. I think the Diamondbacks, especially at the first base spot, are happy with Christian Walker and the way he performed sure. last season. Obviously, Santana came up big with a big home run in uh, Toronto against the Blue Jays in that game three, but at the, or game two. And at the same time, I still think that the Diamondbacks are fine at first base. They've got some prospects coming up, and I, eventually Carlos Santana's going to retire. So the Pittsburgh Pirates, you can enjoy him for the two, 2.3 war he'll give you. At next. the same time, I don't know what the heck the Pirates are yeah. doing ever. Here's another one of the baseball rumor mill that I'm seeing. Mike Clevenger getting a lot of strong interest from the Chicago White Sox, the former Padres pitcher. That could be a good fit. Go back to the AL Central and play against so would good he old pitch Cleveland? more aggressively against the Guardians? I wonder. Um, yeah. Would that be a thing? Uh, let's see. What else can we hit on? We've got about a minute left here. Um, you want to do predictions for the game on Sunday? Uh, all right. Let's go with... Um, you want to score and everything? Sure. Let's do a okay. score now. I'll go ahead and go 28-24 Chargers. Okay. So you think it's going to be close? I do. I kind of think... This is going to be one of those games that on the scoreboard, it'll look like it was close the whole time. But in reality, it was the Chargers had this for three quarters. Yeah. And then Kyler Murray did a bunch of stuff in the fourth quarter. I like that 28-24. I'm going to shift it just a bit. I'm going to shift it to like 27-20. That's fair. In favor of the Chargers. I can, I can definitely see that. I think that. they could get to that score mark. I don't know how close the Cardinals are going to get. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into this edition of Arizona Sports Saturday. We'll be back again next week. Zach, as always, thanks for filling in for Steve and for Trevor Henry behind the glass as he's cheering on his Michigan Wolverines. I'm Mitch Vereldis. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday.